0: Welcome to the Balance of Power Roundtable, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and happy holidays, everyone. We are recording this special holiday edition of our show. This is actually, this is my favorite show of the year, because this is the show where we get together and we hand out some end-of-year awards. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a nice way to look back at, let's face it, it wasn't a great year. It, It was a bit much. And so we get to kind of look back at it with A little bit of a serious appraisal, but kind of a a little twinkle in our eye as well, and look forward to a better year to come. And I get to do that with my co-panelists and friends, Alicia Preston, our scintillating right hook of a political commentator coming to us out of the Republican Party. I feel like I'm a boxing announcer. It's like, in the red corner. (laughs) And then in the blue corner, former two-term congressman, Paul Hodes. Happy holidays, folks. How you doing?
1: We're doing great. I could give you my Howard Cosell impression at this point because, believe it or not, Howard Cosell, for those of you of a certain age, is well remembered. For those of you not of a certain age, he was a legendary announcer of sports and things. He started out as a lawyer and he lived in the same building as we did in New York City on the Lower East Side. Howard Cosell, he was a lawyer. He gave it up and became an announcer. Howard Cosell, and uh, he did boxing. Did I ever tell you the
0: time I met Muhammad Ali in the Longworth house office building on Capitol Hill? Mm -hmm. I was walking out the door. I was walking out the revolving door. Muhammad Uh Ali was walking in the door. I actually didn't recognize him at first. I recognized his wife of all things. And I look up and I had the wit (laughs) to gather myself quickly and look him in the eye and say, hey, champ. He gave me a little smile. You know, he had Parkinson's at that point. So he he didn't have a lot of control of his face, but he gave me just a little bit corner, corner of his his mouth, and it was it was amazing. It was amazing. That's All, right. All cool. right, amazing. We're okay. we're way off track. Pretty Here cool. we go. We're gonna do right. awards. Here are the ground rules. The ground rules are: I'm going to read out a category. I'm going to give some nominees, but our panelists are allowed to add nominees of their own, and then mm-hmm. everyone will choose their winner in each category for the year. This is kind of a blend of the ESPYS. We have kind of a sports approach to this with the Oscars. With I don't know, uh, people's sexiest man alive. So here we go mm. the awards for 2021 on the balance of power roundtable first most valuable player on the Democratic side here are the nominees U.S President Joe Biden U.S Senator Joe Manchin U.S Senator Kirsten Cinema, Speaker of the U.S House of Representatives Nancy Pelosi and budget chairman and recent guest on beyond politics John Yarmouth. Folks, is that the right list of nominees or do you want to add anyone? And then let's let's discuss who are are the MVPs on the Democratic side. Is that right? That's a pretty good list. That's a solid list. It's solid. All right. Who wants to take the first argument? Alicia, I know that you're kind of you're boxing out of the red corner here, but who do you think is the MVP on the Democratic side? Who's your winner?
2: Well, who I choose will not surprise you, the why might. I choose Joe Manchin, and here's why. Not just because he went my direction with the big bill, but because he did a good deed for the party by, um, as we discussed last week, by torpedoing Build Back Better, but he also demonstrated that you can and you should stand against your party and for your people, no matter what letter you've got next to your name, and for that courage, he wins.
1: Paul? Well, you know, I'd give Joe Manchin the Grinch Award. Um, (laughs) He certainly is the, the Grinch who ruined Christmas for the Democrats. So he gets the Grinch Award. But in all seriousness, and although this may be somewhat of a backbench analysis, and not just because he's my good friend and purveyor of the best bourbon on the Hill, but I think John Yarmouth, gets big kudos and is kind of the dark horse winner of this award this year because what he did with the budget committee and his ability to maneuver the infrastructure bill through the house um, is it it ought to be the stuff of legends while there are others who grabbed headlines and were more public uh, john yarmouth uh, who is retiring after this term, really deserves this year's
0: award for his work as chair of the Budget Committee. Well, I'm going to give an honorable mention nomination to Chuck Schumer. He didn't quite make the list of the top five nominees. But look, I, trying to corral the Democrats on um, in the Senate, and a win is a win is a win. He got through the infrastructure bill, and he got it with some Republican votes, so he could have crept onto the list, he just didn't quite make the cut. But for me, the winner on this list is actually Nancy Pelosi. It's not easy to oversee a democratic caucus with such a wide range of approaches and ideologies. You have to manage you know, the Ilhan Omers and AOCs of the world, alongside the Josh Gottheimers and Abigail Spanbergers. And she has led historic achievements I hope that this is sort of a pinnacle, a a kind of going out on top type moment for her because I don't think the Democrats are gonna be in the majority when we do this show in a year. But for now, there are historic legislative accomplishments. Nancy Pelosi made them happen. So for me, Nancy's the winner. All right, let's flip the tables. Let's go to the Republican side and let's choose a most valuable player among Republicans. The nominees are, Donald Trump. I could say former President Donald Trump, whatever. We all know who he is. U.S. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Congresswoman Liz Cheney. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence. Paul, I'll let you go first on this one since you're coming out of the left corner. What do you think? MVP on the Republican side. Any nominees you'd like to add and who's your winner?
1: Well, I mean, I'd like to add Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, because she really is so emblematic of the of the modern Republican Party. I mean, she is the she well, I, I won't I won't go into what I was about to say, which was politically incorrect. But she really is the 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 emblem of the current Republican Republican Party. But she's not on the list. But I think she ought to be. That said, um, this is a fascinating list of of, of folks. Um, uh, yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm 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 sort of at a loss. What did, was Representative Kinziger on that list? He was Kinziger was
0: not on the list. Do you want to Kin- put him on the list? Put him on I the want list.
1: To, I want to put Kinsiger on the list, and I want to put um, Kinsiger on the list because. There's 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 a he gets an honorable mention for me, but I'm going to give this award this year to Mike Pence, because as as conservative as he is, as much as I disagree with his with his politics, he um, he did the right thing and ultimately for a year-end award when our democracy is at stake somebody who did the right thing under the threat of violence and recrimination and who still has the guts to come to New Hampshire and and say and basically say he's running for president i think
0: he gets i think he gets the award this year all right alicia what do you think any additions well, before-
2: Before I give my answer, I would like to note that Marjorie Taylor Greene is not the majority of Republicans now, nor ever, and she's a looney-tooney-tooney, and um, I would kick her out of the club if it were actually a club and we could do that. But let's be clear, you would shoot her out of a cannon if you could. I I would absolutely shoot her out of a cannon if I could get her far away from anything associated with anything I'm associated with on any given day. So uh, I, too, give it to Mike Pence. Look, for the same reason I said Joe Manchin on the Democratic side, Um, not that there's anything constitutional that Pence could have done on that January 6th day, but he could have tried. He could have commented about it. He isn't just a Republican. He was the vice president of the president of the United States. And I mean, confirming you know going through the process of confirming those votes he ousted himself from a job um it was the constitutional thing to do but moreover with his words with his actions with with his refusal to entertain the insanity um he showed himself to be a noble man doing the right thing regardless of his political party or his immediate boss
0: you know i have to give that's great argument i have to give some honorable mention to mitch mcconnell here i I don't agree with anything about the man um, down to his haircut, but I do think that-
2: The haircut is bad. I don't know what's going on there, Mitch. <laughs>
0: yeah, but it is is—it it is sort of undeniable that he's withstood the assault from former President Trump within his own party. And he, once again, hes he's like, after the apocalypse, there will be three things left on earth cockroaches, Tupperware, and Mitch McConnell. He's a survivor. He manages to hold the Republicans in the Senate together. So honorable mention to him. You guys are right, it's Pence. The answer is clearly Pence. He did something honorable and he may have saved our country. So um, it's hard for him to not win this award. Let me just throw in a suggestion that my answer on this a year from now may change. It could turn out to be Liz Cheney. It might be that her participation in the January 6th investigative committee going on in Congress is posturing. It could be political positioning. It it could be cynical. But if that committee actually ends up unearthing evidence of uh, Donald Trump's role in the insurrection or high government officials' role in the insurrection and really brings to light an understanding of what went down on January 6th that leads to actual change and reform and a better direction in the future, then her participation as a Republican in that could be the most valuable thing and the most honorable thing that comes out of this year, but that's a let's wait and see. That one's that one's a Mitch McConnell stuck in the Tupperware. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Best achievement in government. Now, look for my libertarian friends out there, and of which I, I count several. I, I have honest to goodness libertarian friends. They object to the premise of this category. Because they don't think government ever achieves anything. I know that bleeds over among some of my Republican friends too. Look, just go with me on this. We are going to say of the many things that government did, what was the best? Clearly, there's some comparison to be had. Something was better than all the rest. Here are the nominees. And there's actually uh, this is people, not not acts. We'll get to we'll get to activities later. But there are four people who are nominated in this. One is the Facebook whistleblower, Francis Haugen. Another is Joe Manchin for the reasons that Alicia enunciated earlier. Another is a, a, a repeat nominee, John Yarmuth, nominated in two categories, so mazel tov to him. And finally, we have a collective nomination for the 13 House Republicans who had the bravery to vote for and make the infrastructure bill bipartisan. And so they are collectively nominated for best achievement by a leader in government alicia your turn to go first who did we miss among nominees and who's your choice
2: i don't know but i join with your libertarian friends in rebuffing the category in large part because when you come with government achievements there's so few to choose from you can just pick every single one that thing that's been achieved and say here's three maybe four and there you've got the whole category so that being said I choose the 13 Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill. Um, It was a good bill, it was a popular bill, it was a bipartisan bill until it wasn't, and politics overtook good governance. uh, And they stood up and said, uh, well, they probably stood up and said, I can win reelection even if I vote for this, but then they said, so I'm gonna do what my constituency actually wants and needs for our states and the infrastructure of our country, which is vital to literally every other aspect of trade and economy and consumerism in America.
1: All <clears throat> well, when I'm thinking about some of the achievements, I'm thinking I am thinking about some of the legislative achievements. I'm thinking about uh, the fact that um, when Biden came in, he did uh, he really took on the pandemic and uh, worked hard at, you know, worked hard at that. He's I didn't hear his nomination. But in the end, because I think that the most pressing issue facing our country is Uh, the uh, we're looking down the the tunnel toward the death of our democracy. And that in large part is due to the excessive partisanship that we're seeing. I, I agree with Alyssa, that the House Republicans who, who had the courage to buck their party and buck the former president and buck Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is the emblem of the Republican Party. I think those House Republicans really deserve the award. <laughs> for so those I'm of a- you, for those of you listening, by the way, all of us are in stitches at the idea that I said Marjorie Taylor Greene is the emblem of the Republican Party after Alicia's full-throated and 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 brilliant defense
0: of, of Republicans of conscience. But, hey, but there a- you side go. Side question. MTG runs for president right now. What percentage of the vote does she get in the Republican primary go 43% 17. Yeah, I mean, it's somewhere in there, right? Let's uh, okay. Who among us would make the first donation to that candidacy me. Me,
1: me. I'd empty my piggy bank. I'd 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 empty my piggy bank and my savings, my 401k. I'd pour it all in illegally, of course, into Marjorie Taylor Greene's
0: candidacy. You know, that's not a small promise because we're talking radio money here. So that's Uh that's pretty good there. All right. You know, I'm going to go off book for this uh, for this award. And I I I, I can't believe I kind of we missed this in, in the nominations. I actually think there's another, if we're going to allow collective nominations for groups of people, I am going to, you remember when Time Magazine gave its person of the year, like they started going totally off the rails with it, but they went off the rails when they said, did they choose Elon Musk this year? What's wrong? Yes, with they yes. Did. Remember they when did. they chose the planet of the year, and they chose earth. I mean, you're really straining <laughs> at this point, but I'm going to kind of go in that direction. I think it's no small achievement that we had the fastest vaccination campaign in American history this year. And it, you know, partisans want to say, well, that was that was Joe Biden. He did all that. Well, he didn't. I mean, he did good things, but he 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 didn't do all of that. And <clears throat> Donald Trump didn't create the vaccine. Although, you know what? C- you know, kudos to him for having Operation Warp Speed. That helped. That was a legitimately good thing that he did. He was working night and day in the factories. Come on. But the real thing, the real thing that made that happen was thousands and thousands of people, many of them in government and in both political parties. I'm going to give credit to Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire, who, you know, the facts are the facts. We had mass vaccination sites and they operated pretty smoothly. We got shots into arms fast. We hit 4 million shots in a single day at one point in the spring. And All of that happens because there are people in government you never talk about who who never get recognized, and they're going to get recognized on the show. To me, it's the thousands of people on the government side who enabled all of that to happen. And look, there are people, there are frontline medical workers, there are people working in Walgreens and CBS. There are a lot of people who get credit for this, but a lot of the initiative did come from government, and I want to recognize it.
2: I think that's great, and I agree with the leadership of Chris Nunu in 2020, and in 2021 he's someone who, too, stood against, you know, a chunk of his political party and moved forward doing nonpartisan efforts in dealing with the virus and the vaccines that he thought was right for the people of New Hampshire. That's the kind of leadership we see in Joe Manchin, we saw in Mike Pence, and we do see in Chris Nunu.
1: I think that he gave good press conferences but I think he was late. I think he was slow, and now I think he's ignorant. Well, look,
0: I I, I hear your point. Although I, at the end of the day, you know, it's like it's like when we were playing our rivals when I was in college, and uh, we we'd be losing, and uh, the rival fans would chant "scoreboard, scoreboard." It's just very hard to deny the results. And the results were achieved. I mean, look, Kay Ivey, a a Republican governor, you know, she she should get an honorable mention here for coming out and urging the people of Alabama to go get vaccines and for setting up a vaccine delivery system. Was it perfect? No, but collectively, the scoreboard sort of speaks for itself. So the next category is news story of the year. This is a big one. The nominees in this category are the Capitol Insurrection on January 6th, The American Rescue Plan, which passed in the House and Senate, was signed into law. The Infrastructure Bill, which also became a bipartisan bill, a significant achievement of this administration. The emergence of the Delta and then the Omicron COVID waves. The Virginia elections, which saw Glenn Youngkin defeat Terry McAuliffe. And the end of Andrew Cuomo's political career, we think, in his Me Too moment. Folks, what nominees did we miss and what is your selection? Alicia, why do not you go first?
2: Obviously, it would be quick to say the Capitol insurrection it was a huge historic terrible day for our country and, you know, the after effects of it are still going on, but I'm going to go a different direction here and I'm going to take one of your nominees and tweak it slightly and say ramifications of COVID. Because it is now that we're two years into this pandemic, it is affecting literally every aspect of our lives. Numbers are on the rise, changed how we're doing holidays, at least in my household. Um, you know, We're talking about boosters. Will there be a fourth? It's affected our economy drastically. It's affected our workforce dramatically. It's, uh, again, damaging and endangering our healthcare system to the point of people are being turned away for things that aren't immediate or life changing. Um, It has perhaps forever changed our way of life. And I think we can't underestimate that. And at the moment, and I can only speak for myself, uh, you know, many of us are still in the, what does the future look like? Will our lives be back to normal? What is normal? And, uh, you know, we're starting to adapt and accept that life is different and may be, In perpetuity and i think you can't underestimate the significance of that particularly because it's global
0: now paul what do you think um alicia presents
1: a compelling argument for the pandemic as the as as the story of the year um the pandemic um and how we are dealing with it in this country though i think is tied inextricably to the the deeper discord and failures in our uh, current society. And and because I think from a political standpoint, um, the dysfunction that we're experiencing has a lot to do with the way the pandemic is being handled in this country and what's happening with it. Uh, I've got to go with the with with what the expected the expected response of the January 6th insurrection, which was a singular, a singular moment in American history that I think should uh, hopefully will go down as um, as uh, a, a stark warning about the path our democracy is on. It It is it's just it was a dev- it was devastating in more ways than can be described is still reverberating. Um, and um, the frightening thing is that while the January 6th Congressional Committee, um, with only two bipartisan active members, as far as I can tell, uh, is doing its work, I know that there are armed crazies out there thinking about what they're going to do if Donald Trump uh, isn't declared the winner even if it's Ill- Ill- illegal in 2024. So the January 6th insurrection and the danger to our democracy are for me or the the stories together it's the ja- you know so the January 6th insurrection.
0: Boy, you both make actually really good cases. I I'm 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 split. I, I went into this thinking it's January 6th. Alicia's reasoning actually swayed me. And then Paul, your, your reasoning kind of swayed me back. I think the problem with this one is this could be very different in five or 10 years. We could look back on it and we could think about it. There's so many ways this could go. So I wrote an article in Newsweek two months ago where I said, you know, 2024, really, there's a high chance that that is going to be the end of, of democracy. I'm not exaggerating. You just look at the different possibilities for what could go down, and they're all extremely bad, and January 6th was the kickoff of all of that. It is possible that when my kids look back on this year, they will see January 6th as the more significant story. On the other hand, we're recording this during the buildup to hopefully not too bad of a crest of an Omicron wave, but we don't know. We don't know. Is this a sign that the pandemic is becoming endemic and it's just gonna kind of keep emerging in waves that are maybe more transmissible, maybe a little bit less deadly. And eventually this goes the way of the flu or the common cold is just a background fact of life. That could be, but there are also epidemiologists telling us that the basic math is, look, if you have something that's four times as transmissible, and even a quarter less deadly, the math just says that you're going to get just as many deaths as the original wave of COVID. That's, that's just math. And, you know, we might be heading into a future where we just, as Alicia was saying, face wave after wave. I don't know. I'm really split. I'm really, really split. Maybe I give this, there's just so much uncertainty. Maybe I give it by a nose, by a nose to the Delta and Omicron, just because I have hope. I have hope that we're going to not look back on January 6th maybe a little bit more and and think that that was the beginning of the end of American democracy but I'm not sure I'm honestly not sure all right let's get on to this is a section of categories that I think are just fun they're just kind of fun some of them are serious but but they're fun all right the first one I love this you know I have big problems with polling and public opinion research I I, I have big problems I wrote a whole article about this you can look it up on alternate this category is the most interesting public opinion research finding of the year. I'm going to rattle a few off for you guys. Number one, a growing share of childless Americans say it's unlikely they'll ever have children. Some 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49, which seems like the group that could still become parents, most likely, 44% of them say it's not too likely or not at all likely that they'll have children someday, an increase from the 37% who said the same in 2018. I'd add to that that I just saw yesterday, slowest population growth in America in recorded history last year. Uh, so that's that's one. That's that's one nominee. Another finding, across 16 public opinion surveys in the spring of 2021, a median of just 17% of adults said democracy in the U.S. is a good example for other countries to follow said American democracy used to be a good example for other countries to follow. That's number two. Number three, in just five years, the percentage of Republicans with at least some trust in national news organizations has fallen by half. It's a jaw-dropping fall from 70% in 2016 to just 35% this year. Number four, women in the U.S. are now more likely than men to have a four-year college degree. Number five, Most Democrats in the U.S. now see voting as a fundamental right, while most Republicans view it as a privilege. It comes with responsibilities. And finally, number six, only 34% of U.S. adults under the age of 30 now get TV through cable or satellite. Only 34%. That's down from 65% as recently as 2015. All right, what Piece of public opinion survey research stands out to you as the most interesting story of the year, Paul Hodes? The
1: last one that you mentioned, the fact that a younger generation is no longer tied to conventional media is important for so many reasons because the way we are living in an information age and the way we get our information and the way the and the way that information is delivered has more to do with all the other things that you talked about um because it affects the way people think the way people act and um i therefore think that the the, there are massive changes coming um And that example of where younger people are getting their information is one example of the massive changes that are coming. There's a huge shift coming in information and information technology. There are good shifts coming in technology around climate. Um, uh, But ultimately, if from a physical standpoint, we're going to tackle climate change and deal with the existential threat that really overarches almost everything and should be the story of the year. Um, uh, the way the combination of information technology and renewable energy technology is the hope that we are, have looking forward. So, That's a slightly digressed way of talking about the fact that the younger people who get information in a totally different way are going to be drivers of innovation um, in the future.
0: Alicia?
2: I think all these are very interesting. Excuse me. I was going to go with the first one on, you know, the millennial generation, not procreating and the benefits that could be in general, Um, although not to the smoothie industry. But I decided to go elsewhere because this one I think could be good or bad. And that is that women in the U.S. are now more likely than men to have a four-year college degree. What I mean by good or bad is it's great that women are getting a solid education. It's great that we're promoting that and they're following through. uh, And I very much support that. But I've been worried about something for years. For the last decade, we have been promoting young girls and women so much. I worry that we're tipping a balance between teaching them and young men that they're equal and teaching them both that females are superior. Because there are places we've crossed this line, and that's not healthy for anybody. That's just reversing the roles of generations ago. And are young men losing opportunity or self-respect or self-promotion because of this constant beating drum that women are superior. And it is something I've been focusing on for years. So that I think is a statistic to watch because when we wanna elevate young females, we wanna make sure we don't leave young men behind.
0: Because Alicia makes a superior argument as a woman, I'm gonna agree with her. Um, I, I do think <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I do think that that's the one that over time, and it's linked, is linked to the first one about the declining growth in the population because we see this all around the world. As women gain education, they they have fewer children. Um, and I, I look long term in terms of our society. I think the the growing trend of education for women and declining birth rate is probably what's going to shape our society the most. That's our pick. But we got to move on. We actually have to pick up the pace. So let's go to our next category. This is, this is a really fun one. The most interesting under the radar story that you may have missed, with a lean towards science and technology, because I'm a giant dork. All right, here we go. Um, number one. Since it arrived on the scene, the gene editing technology, CRISPR, has been touted as a game changer for treating diseases. That's been very hard to make happen in reality. And now researchers in Cambridge, Massachusetts, have tested a treatment based on CRISPR on six people with a rare disease. And they are able to edit people's genes live in the people and treat disease using gene editing technology. So that's that's under the radar story, number one. Impressive. And number two, and I, I told you we wouldn't be entirely serious about this. So number two, uh, scientists in Germany have achieved what many biologists and farmers thought impossible. They've toilet trained cows. Let's just move on. That's just, that is a real story. I'm not making that up. Uh, number three, um, straight out of the movie Inception, researchers have had conversations with people who are dreaming and have been able to get them to answer yes or no questions and solve math problems right out of inception. Number four, um, tiny tubes found in 890 million-year-old rocks may be the remains of sea sponges, and that would push the origins of animal life on Earth back by 350 million years. And finally, finally, under the radar, but definitely way above the radar story this year, astronomers may have detected the first known planet outside our galaxy. They have detected a planet in a galaxy 20 million, 28 million light years from Earth. All right. Any additional nominees and, and what's your winner? Alicia Preston.
2: First of all, this is a very dorky category and I find all of it super interesting. So thank you for coming up with all this.
0: Uh, dork um, out with me. I, I, I love I, all I this love it.
2: It's it's all very cool. The CRISPR thing with the changing genes, I'm glad they're coming up with curious to to diseases but that's actually a little creepy um but i guess science can be very creepy but i'm going to choose that cows have been toilet trained and here's why because this was scientists in germany you know the only way this was done is if it was funded by the taxpayers and i am thrilled to know america is not the only nation that wastes taxpayer money on absolute nonsense (laughs) i'm going to dispute you (laughs) off the air on that but paul what's your pick
1: well all these categories um, put a put a small fluctuation in the Higgs field through which quantum tunneling of the uh, Higgs boson uh, can occur but also means the end of all life as we know it instantaneously and thinking about the little tubes in the rocks 380 million years is a pisha. it's a nothing it's a minuscule amount given the kinds of, of Good trillions, gazillions of years that we're thinking of until the end of time and the end of the universe, which I've been reading about lately in Brian Greene's book, "Until the End of Time." And since I'm um, science deficient, um, I haven't read all the uh, notes in the back, which really go into the mathematics, which I don't understand because I can't add anyway. um, Which is why I became a lawyer and a congressman because I'm so terrible at math. But I do think that the startling, startling news about toilet training clou- cows is one of the remarkable scientific achievements. It also has <laughs> deep social implications uh, for the ability of, of scientists to exercise their art and their craft in, in, in rendering the impossible possible. And therefore, it gives me hope that the Republican Party will come back to its senses. If we can toilet train cows, we can certainly train Republicans to 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 love to not crap all again. over.
0: That's, that's that's there you go. Oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've done it again. I, look, I'm super, I'm super impressed with both of your arguments. Sort of. I don't know. I, I'm. It's my fault for putting the toilet trained cows out there as a nominee. Look, um, you, you both make a great case. But maybe that's the winner for me. It's CRISPR. It's got to be CRISPR. The fact that we can use this technology to actually like fight rare diseases and not just you know. Create all kinds of Frankenstein monstrosities, uh, which is what everyone's afraid of. That to me seems like a big, big deal. Big deal. So I go with CRISPR. Let's move on. All right. Here's a, here's a nice one. Here's a nice one as we kind of come to the tail end of the show. The best piece of good news. What's what's some good news out of twenty twenty one? Here are the nominees. More than eight point four seven billion COVID nineteen vaccinations were administered around the globe. Number two, scientists reveal the cheese isn't bad for you, really. Speaking out against unfounded rumors that cheese is evil, one scientist told Wired magazine there's almost no evidence that cheese causes weight gain. In fact, there's evidence that it's neutral at worst. Number three, a human mind was wirelessly connected to a computer, which is huge news, a breakthrough for paralyzed people. The removal of cumbersome wires that connects people's brains to artificial limbs. Number four, China eliminated malaria. It's gone. In the 1940s, China reported 30 million malaria cases annually in 2020. The country reported four consecutive years of zero indigenous cases of malaria. Story number five, Donald Trump was banned from Twitter this year. Let's not forget that. That's, That's good news. And finally, number six, NASA made oxygen on Mars. It's right out of the movie, The Martian, and it opens the door to the possibility that we could actually leave this planet once and for all, or at least blast Marjorie Taylor Greene there. Okay, folks, what was the best good news story of the year? Paul, you go first. Oh, you know, the fact that Donald Trump was banned from Twitter
1: was such good news. It was such a revelation. It was such progress for for a little bit of consciousness from this evil, these evil social media giants, and it had, and it was just so important to eliminate the endless reporting about what he was tweeting, because it was driving me crazy. So I'm For me, my heart leaps with joy at the prohibition of Donald Trump
0: from Twitter. All right, Alicia.
2: I think the global vaccination rate is a great piece of news. I hope that grows, particularly here in the United States. I think the fact that a human mind was wirelessly connected to a computer and what that could mean for people with various paralysis in the future is enormous and a fantastic breakthrough. Um, I don't care what China does. As for the others, I think space is great and I'm not on Twitter very often. But the the happiest I'm made from this list is the revelation about cheese because I love cheese. I love Havarti, Theta, Swiss, Chata. Just bought Hoffman the other day for the first time. I literally love cheese and will put it on any food, even if it doesn't seem to go on. And at my age, 38, for the eight or ninth time, you have to start worrying about, you know, cheese. But now apparently I don't. Cottage cheese, cottage cheese is so good, but you don't want to look like cottage cheese, so you got to be careful. Cottage now cheese is the to.
0: neglected stepchild of the cheese family, it with is. good reason.
2: I, I like on a triscuit; it's really good.
0: On A triscuit, oh my gosh! You're you're with pounding. on a triscuit with ketchup. Oh oh, oh no, gosh. no! Maybe oh. a
2: dollop of like jam. Yeah, you,
0: the, you know this. This is, this is Ned Flanders' nachos, right? It's it's cottage cheese on cucumber slices. Uh, I'm with you, Alicia. Human mind connected to a computer wirelessly. That's, that's amazing. I, I I think I'm with that. Although, you know, I, just to be a little bit of a pessimist, I I'm not looking forward to being connected to the matrix so that I can be a, a giant
2: battery, but
0: um, no, this but is that's what you th- may th- already
2: th- be. You don't know.
0: That's what a huge
1: proportion of vaccine deniers are worried about, that that the vaccine is actually implanting a chip that, um, you know, will will allow them to wirelessly connect to the government's um, uh, deep state computer and be controlled. I mean, that that's that is what's going on, people. So I thought that
2: was 5G technology or something being. Do you remember there were there were the little chips put on the tips of the Q-tips that went up your nose in the early tests? Is I
0: believe what it was? Oh, I boy. I thought they
2: had to do with 5G technology somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's a wireless connection. That's that's the winner. <laughs> that's the winner. All right, final category. Final category. Who won the year? Uh, this is, I want to give a shout out to Bill Simmons and the Rewatchables podcast. This is a, a ripoff of that movie podcast, Who Won the Movie. So here you go. Who won the year? Here are the nominees. Joe Biden. Joe Manchin. Donald Trump. Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi. You can add if you want. Alicia, you get to you get to go first. Who won?
2: I'm not giving it to a politician, especially not in the times we're in right now. Good, um, go
0: go off book.
2: I think it goes to, and I can't come up with a better title for it, but the do-gooders, the ones we don't hear about, um, the ones we know of generally, like our healthcare workers, the people that volunteered vaccine sites. But you know, there, there's a woman in Georgia who um, opened up her home for foster kids and took care of them and then started an organization to help others do the same in these difficult times. There's a kid in New Hampshire who just took off a teenager to Kentucky um, on, on the dime just to go help people who are dealing with the tornadoes. There's There's a kid, a 15-year-old in Minnesota soda who was working the mcdonald's drive through and saw the customer choking on a mcnugget jump through the drive through window and saved the woman there's you know there's the guy that paid for my toll randomly i didn't know the other day and the to- the toll worker told me he paid your toll and said merry christmas those people affect our day-to-day lives in incredible ways i mean i have a smile on my face whenever these moments happen and we hear about them. so to the do-gooders everywhere thank you and keep going
1: I I really do appreciate all the gooders. And I I think that's a wonderful sentiment to to leave the show on. So I'm going to destroy the mood by saying that the winner this year is Matt Jones of the of the uh, New England Patriots, because he gives us hope that the post Brady era is not just a vast wasteland of defeat. Even though they lost to the Indianapolis Colts last week, their record is surprising. His performance is exemplary. He gives me hope. My heart leaps with joy at the idea that there could be a new dynasty in the making in Boston with Matt Jones as quarterback. So I think he gets he gets Person of the Year. He should have been on the cover of Time instead of Elon idiot had musk and and that's all i'll say at the end of this year thank you matt jones for giving me
0: hope you know honestly uh here's where you're wrong didn't tom brady win the year he won the super bowl in this we don't care about year. that we don't care about the super bowl we're looking forward, we're and, he, looking and, forward. He, and he smeared it in
2: everyone's face and we're he smashed forward. a tablet last week when he lost yeah. and first time since oh six he was left without one point even
1: well, wow. I mean, he he he's got a temper. He he, he thinks he's entitled. Matt Jones mm-hmm. is Matt Jones is on the rise. People,
0: it's very hard for me to pick anyone other than Jeff Bezos who left the scene at Amazon with. Uh, uh, they literally can't count how many billions of dollars he has. He went to space. I, uh, that he should dude, have stayed there. He should have stayed there with Paul. I
2: wish he stayed. He down. should have Maybe stayed there. He's doing
0: the pretty well. And speaking of doing pretty well. So are we on the Balance of Power Roundtable, and we are all out of time. So thank you both for a tremendous year in political analysis and discussion and general good timery. And I want to wish all of our listeners on WKXL and out in podcast land a very happy new year, and we will talk to you next year.